Thankful that you're here tonight. I want to say a couple of things, three things actually, before we get started. I didn't say it this morning, and I meant to. Uh, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and I want to thank, and I know I'm speaking probably on behalf of the congregation as well. Uh, I appreciate you veterans and what you've done for our country, and I appreciate your service and the sacrifices that you made for us to have freedom here in this nation. Thank you for uh, what you've done. The second thing is the mutter, mutter, man, a hope trip, it ain't that night. <clears throat> the mother-daughter meal last night um, was a big success, uh, Tiffany, Danny's daughter spoke, and I heard she did a great job, and I heard the food was right on point. So, Tammy, I appreciate you, and Amy, and I don't, Belinda, I don't know who all helped, but I appreciate uh, you guys for that, Jeff. And the Golden Age Banquet today was awesome as well. It was good. The, the kids did a great job. Uh, Daphne did a great job helping with that, and Jennifer and Jeff did a great job setting it up. I appreciate uh, just the stuff that we got going on here at Fountainhead. You know, I preach at different congregations, and it's sad, but things aren't happening like they should at those places. And what a blessing it is to be at a place where we have these events and we have these things that uh, we can all be a part of and enjoy. So I want to just say those three things as we began. And if I left anybody out, it was totally unintentional. Derek, I appreciate you and your help with the teenagers too. So um, let's get started. I'm really excited about Isaiah chapter 5. We left off in Isaiah chapter 2 and we talked about the church as the, in the prophetic talk of Isaiah being a future event. And in Isaiah chapter 3, uh, Isaiah begins to talk about how the uh, leaders of Israel were not doing what they were supposed to do. And, and look at just real quickly, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 13, it says, The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. Verse 14, he says, The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes, for you have eaten up the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. Don't think for one minute that God wasn't paying attention to the leaders that were put in charge of his people and the way that they were leading them was unacceptable. And would be judged. And we know uh, as time goes on, this ultimate judgment upon Israel is they will go to Babylon. They will be uh, put into captivity, literally, but not uh, right at this moment. But then we move on to chapter 4. And really there's a lot in chapter 3, but I don't have time to, to deal with it because I want to get to chapter 5. But verse 4, I mean chapter 4 uh, talks about this renewal of Zion again. God 
talks about this judgment that's going to come upon his people. But God is so awesome what he always uh, lends a helping hand, right? He always allows this place of redemption, this thought of uh, even though you are as scarlet, I can make you as white as snow. We read that in Isaiah chapter 1, and that really holds true. I do want you to think about a verse as we go through Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59, it's a very familiar uh, verse probably to many of you. Actually, it's two verses, but Isaiah 59 verse 1 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. See, the Lord's hand's not too short that he can't save, and his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear. As we talked about this morning, don't be fooled. Your circumstances can never be bigger than God's faithfulness to you. But the problem is not God. But so many times that's where we take it. Amen. We want to say it's God's fault when in reality, look at what verse 2 says. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Keep that in mind as we go through Isaiah. And I'll bring it up periodically just to, as a reminder that God's hand is not too short and his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear and save you. Anytime you're willing as a child of God, the blessings of having the blood of Jesus Christ is when I ask for forgiveness, what happens, brethren? Washed away. Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 1, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared it out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also had a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could I, what more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I'll take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judea are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. It's a frightening statement, but also true. The possibility of receiving the grace of God in vain. 
The Apostle Paul gave such a warning. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this, We then, as workers together with him, with the Lord, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That's what I want to talk about tonight, receiving the grace of God in vain. But that's exactly what's happening in the context of Isaiah chapter 5. The people of God, the nation of Israel, were doing this despite being chosen and being the blessed of God. Look at the description. Look at what he says in this love song. Verse 1, it says, the Lord cleared, not in verse 1, I'm sorry, in verse 2, he says, he dug up the cleared and cleared out its stones. It planted a choice vine. The Lord built a watchtower in its midst. Building a watchtower in the midst of the vineyard, it depicts this permanent residence. See, I'm going to build a watchtower. Why, brethren? Because I want to watch over my vineyard. (laughs) See, I don't want no enemies getting in. See, I don't want no animals getting in. I want it to be protected, right? See, God was watching out for his people. But he also did this. He made a wine press in the vineyard. In the context, in the time when a farmer or whoever was growing grapes, when they would make a wine press, what they would do is they would make this wine press to put out these grapes and they also would have a place where they would store the wine. See, this wasn't no temporary thing. God was setting up this watchtower because he was setting up shop for Israel to produce good grapes. Think about this and think about the application for us today. See, suggesting a permanent storage place was that God expected abundant fruit from the vineyard. The Lord had looked at his vineyard with which he had made every provision and given every opportunity to yield grapes. But what in the world did this vineyard yield? (laughs) Wild grapes. The Hebrew word for these wild grapes is sour, worthless grapes. All of God's work and loving actions for this vineyard had not produced good fruit, but it produced sour, stinking fruit. Look at verse 4. God asks this question. He says, what more could have been done to my vineyard? What more could I have done to make this vineyard produce good fruit? See, there was no reason for this vineyard to yield worthless grapes, was it? What can be done... For the people of God, when a total work of grace has been lavished upon them, and yet they remain as if grace never touched them. Listen to that one more time. What can be done for the people of God when a total work of grace has been lavished on them, and yet they remain as if grace never touched them? 
Brethren, have you thought about your Christian walk? Jesus said, remain faithful until death and I will give you a crown of life. Does that matter to us anymore? Or have we followed in the concept with the religious world that once I'm saved, I'm good to go? God has done all that he could for the vineyard. And he did all these things and expected good grapes. Now, when we think about God, does God do anything halfway? (laughs) Would God set up a vineyard that was I? No. God would set up a vineyard that was perfect. Amen? He sets up all the provisions. He makes all the checklists. He does all of these things. Watch this. So what's God going to do? Listen to what verses 5 and 6 say about this vineyard. He says, and now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it's going to be burned. I'll break down its walls and it'll be trampled down. It'll lay waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. Think about that. He cleared out all these stones on this hill. He picked the choicest vine to be in there. He put a tower in the midst. He made sure that it had a wine press. And then he put a hedge around it. He put a wall after that. And then you know what he did? You know, a connection in John chapter 15 when Jesus says, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. And you remember what he does to the branches? He prunes them and he cleans them up. You know, and sometimes that pruning hurts, doesn't it? But God says, no longer will I prune them. No longer will I dig out around them and pull the weeds up. And no longer will my blessings flow on them. Rain will not come to this vineyard. What happens when we don't water our plants, brethren? If the vineyard had only bore true fruit, no one could even touch it. See, Israel missed it. If they followed what God said to do all the way, nobody could touch them. Now, wait a minute. Don't tell me that God doesn't set up a way so that we can be absolutely protected. But what do we do? All the blessings, all the provisions, all the protection. The people could have cared less about it. Do we? How sad this is. Notice what verse 7 says. For the vineyard of the Lord is, of the, of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the pleasant plant. See, when he went into this vineyard, he wanted to look for something. He looked for justice, but behold, he found oppression. 
He went and looked for righteousness, but behold, it was a cry for help. (laughs) The Lord looked for justice and he didn't find it. What did he find? Bloodshed. He looked for righteousness and he found this outcry of distress. And here it is, brethren. It's not this outcry of distress because they really want help. You know what it is? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I got busted and I need you to bail me out, God. (laughs) See, it's not because I want to change. I just need some help with the problem at the moment. See, I'm sorry that I got caught, but if you can just help me out, right, what we do? If you can just help me out, Lord, I promise I'll do the right thing. See, I have my fingers crossed. So what were the people doing? How did they get to this point? Oh, this is a wake-up call. The first thing to consider is this. They didn't regard the works of the Lord. Do we? Look at verse 12. The harps and the strings, the tambourine and flute and wine are in their feasts. But they do not regard the work of the Lord. And this one's sad, brethren. Nor consider the operation of his hands. Verses 8 through 11, and I'm not going to read them, but they reveal a people who were consumed with worldliness. Their hearts didn't care about the ways of God. You know what it cared about? They were consumed with adding fields and homes to their possessions. They were feasting and partying and not showing any, absolute, no respect to the one who provided it for them. Their efforts to seek after the desires and the pursuits of the world caused them to be blind, literally, to the works of God's hands. Oh, what a dangerous game that is. And what an application. Are we unable to see the hand of God working in our lives because we're swallowed up with other things? Other things. I mean, you don't know what I got going on in my life, man. I got, I got a lot of... Are we consumed with other things so much that we forget God's hand is in it all? And He should get the glory. See, we cannot be consumed with wine. We cannot be consumed with seeking wealth and possessions. We cannot be consumed by our work. We cannot be consumed by our pains and past. Life with everything it provides, good or bad, can cause us to miss seeing the mighty hand of God. Why is that? Because our focus is diverted away from Him. That's what's happening. Rather than focusing in on on God and the one who gave all these blessings, they were focusing on the blessings and how they could affect me. Did you hear that? See, rather than focusing on God and the blessings that He gives us, Lord, I appreciate the blessings that You've given me. See, instead of focusing on and giving Him the credit that's due, 
We focus on the blessing and how it affects us. Man, I'm glad he answered that prayer. I can't wait to do this. They didn't regard the works of the Lord. What else was happening? They didn't understand their sin or know God, really. Look at verses 13 through 17. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened his mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down. Each man shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Then the lambs shall feed in their pasture and in the waste places of the fat ones strangers shall eat. God is judging the people because they are darkened in their understanding. They lack a knowledge of the Lord and do not comprehend their sins. Oh, this is America. But wait a minute. It's happening in Isaiah's time. Almost 3,000 years ago, people are still the same, but God's children. We have 20-20 vision. Are we going to be blinded too? Are we going to be like those ones when Jeremiah talked to them and they said, I don't care that you're telling me the truth. I'm still not going to change. <laughs> i become so numb that what you say doesn't affect me anymore. I'm checking out on you, matter of fact because it ain't worth it. See, this is a teaching that cannot be emphasized enough. You remember what John said in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5? Ask yourself this question. John says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a straight-up liar. And the truth ain't in you. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. See, by this we know that we are in him. See, I know God and I keep his commandments. Were these children of Israel following what God said? Absolutely not. There is no way to know God than to know what God has revealed about himself. Amen? And this is what makes God's laws so beautiful. People want to say it's a burden to do God's will. People want to say it's tough to do God's will. People want to say it's not cool to do God's will. But really and truly, doing God's will is beautiful. Because when you do God's will, you're in the group that is going to bear fruit. See, God expects what he sets up to bear fruit. Now, <laughs> if he's expecting it and I'm a part of it, what's going to happen? I'm going to bear good fruit, right? Through God's law, this is what we know. We know the mind of God, we know the nature of God, and we know the character of God. We know all of those things in God's laws. Love one another 
as I have loved you, right? The world will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another because I loved you that way. What else was happening? They had rejected this concept that there are consequences for their sin. Look at verses 18 and 19. It says, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if with a cart rope. They say, that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. Now, this is an interesting two verses. Isaiah, he describes the people as dragging around these burdens of sin and acting like they could hide them. <laughs> Think about it. You got this big box behind you, right? You got this chain on it. And it's heavy. And I'm going to drag that thing around until I see y'all, and then I'm going to hide it. Hey, what's up, y'all? Yeah, don't look over here. We reject the grace of God when we continually drag sin with us. Now, of all the points, this one right here is the most applicable to our lives. And I want you, if you don't hear anything else, you can go to sleep after I move to the next point. But please, this point, just hear this one. The writer of Hebrews calls for us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, right? Sin, it carries a weight and it carries us and burdens us and it's hard to carry because if I'm involved in sin, I don't want my brethren to know it. So I'm going to hide it. I'm going to cover it up. But the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and then let us run the race with endurance. Notice the picture that Isaiah describes. The longer we remain slaves to sin, hey, I don't know what you're struggling with. But you know what? I've heard of some. I've heard of some struggles with some sin. I've got some struggles with some sin. But see, the longer we remain covering it up, the more rebellion grows in your heart. Because you're good at it, right? Nobody knows about it. See, sin is a very difficult habit to break, amen? Because we justify it. And the longer we practice it, the harder it is to overcome. And you know what you become? You become a professional liar. You become a pro, man. You become a professional liar. 
We are only making life harder on ourselves when we maintain a sinful life. God had made all these provisions for Israel. He had made this uh, hedge of protection around them and they could have cared less about it because what they were doing was way funner. Just as there are consequences with our physical health for the decisions that we make, isn't there? If I'm diabetic and I eat the wrong things, what's going to happen to me? If I've got high or low blood pressure and I don't eat the right way, what's going to happen to me, right? We must see the problems and difficulties that we are causing for ourselves when we choose to have a poor spiritual health. Do we see it? Do we recognize it? Or do we not even care? Hurry up, Matt. Please. Hurry up. We reject the grace of God when we think that we can remain in sinful situations and activities and still serve God. I'm going to read that one one more time. We reject the grace of God when we think that we can remain in sinful situations and sinful activities and still serve Him. It ain't going to work, is it? Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. But if you lukewarm, I'll spit you out my mouth. Vomit you out of my mouth. What else was happening? See, they loved moral perversion. Look at verses 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. See, we throw away the grace of God when we choose to redefine God's moral standards. Amen? Woe to those who declare evil acts to be good ones and good acts to actually be evil ones. Woe to those who substitute light for dark and darkness for light. We see this problem in our world today, don't we, brethren? We're told that it's good to live with your boyfriend and your girlfriend. See, you got to try it out, right? See if you like it. Then if you like it, then you go ahead and get married. But God says sexual relations before marriage is sin. It's called fornication. We're told that marriage can be with anybody. When God says, and these little babies said it right up here. It's between a man and a woman. We're told that homosexuality is acceptable when God condemns it as an unnatural sin. Oh, here we go, preacher, talking about the homosexuality. Brethren, I'm so sick of that. I don't care if I get in trouble about it. I love the person. It doesn't matter what they look like. It's love the sinner but hate the sin. Amen? Yeah. 
Verse 21 expresses the whole problem. We are wise in our own eyes. Rather than humbly submitting to God's laws as being right and good enough, (laughs) we think that we need to update God's laws, don't we? (laughs) I'm about sick of my phone updating, right? But we need an update on God's laws and we need to update it to the 21st century way. As if we're the ones who have the standard for morality. Man, how wise are we in our own eyes? How wise are we in our own eyes? See, we have received the grace of God in vain if we take God's grace and his blessings and choose which laws to keep and which laws to disregard. Amen? What was happening in Israel? This was running rampant. Look at all these things that were happening. You can't tell me that there wasn't a huge distraction on following God when all of these things were happening. Look at verse 8 back in uh, Isaiah 5. Woe to those who join house to house. They add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. In my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, Truly many houses will be, shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyards shall be yielded one bath. What were they doing? They were worried about getting all of these things. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. They loved moral perversion. What else? They rejected God's laws and God's words. Look at verse 22, and we're about to wrap it up. I appreciate y'all hanging with me. I love you guys so very much, and I'm going to tell you what. I love preaching from God's word. It is an amazing thing. Don't ever think that this won't change your life. I've tried it. I've tried to live my own way, but when I held myself personally accountable to this thing, things changed in my life for the better. Amen? Try it. See what happens. Look at verse 22. It says, Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust. Why, Lord? Because they've rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. The most obvious way that we throw the grace of God away is when we simply reject what God is telling us to do and telling us to be. This is what Israel had done. Though they were the people of God, they had turned their hearts away from His Word. Have we done that, brethren? They had despised the word of the Holy One. They did not want to receive His instructions. They did not want to listen. 
See, they'd rather listen to other things. YouTube. Netflix. Then listen to the voice of the Lord. David described the law of the Lord as sweeter than honey. Jesus described his disciples as those who would hunger and they would thirst for his teachings. As you sit here tonight, as you make application to your life, are you the disciple that hungers and thirsts for his teachings? Brethren, if it's not, there's a problem. There's a problem in the church. What are we listening to in our lives? What are we letting guide us? There's a great day coming. Teenagers, little kids, older members, middle members, whatever you are. There's a great day coming and judgment will be here. Whether you believe me or not, I'm pleading with you tonight. Be reconciled to God, Christian, friend, somebody. Hear my voice tonight. Become a child of God. Make your life correct with God. Because when you stand in front of him, what do we see that happens to these people that he loves? They are punished. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and I want you to hear this as we close. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I want to close with these thoughts. Romans chapter 1. And, and this is a powerful verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak, through the flesh did, uh, through the flesh God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What an amazing grace to know that when we come to Jesus, we are free from the penalty, the punishment of sin. But the warning remains to not throw away the grace. That God's grace will not be in vain in our lives. Brethren, God made this vineyard. And if you think about the church in relation to that, God made all the provisions, didn't he? He sent his son. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He took care of your sin problem. He made you be able to be right in God the Father's eyes. He did all of these things. Why in the world would we not want to fully do what he says and bear fruit? See, he made a system and he expects good fruit. 
because he don't do nothing halfway. But we can't walk according to the sins of the flesh. We have to walk according to the fruit of the Spirit. Verses 5 through 8, and the lesson will be yours. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh, and here the words of the Holy Bible. So then those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. To set our minds back on the flesh is death, Christian. In fact, he says that our minds are hostile to God and we're not pleasing to God when we return to the life of sin. Listen to the song of the vineyard. God has done everything he can for us. You know, I try to provide everything for my kids. Everything that I can for Isaac and Libby. I try to give them the best, not because I want them to say, you are so awesome. It's because I want them to be so successful. And in turn, when they understand and realize that I did it because I wanted them to succeed, it changes everything, doesn't it? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father through Him. God is looking for fruitful, godly lives in service and those who will love him. What have we chosen to do with the outpouring of God's grace? Brethren, I hope you have an awesome week. I hope that you get to tell somebody about Jesus. I hope you get to show somebody the truth. I hope that you get to shine your light so bright that people got to put on sunglasses because you're just that bright. Brethren, I love you all so very much. You walk up out of here and you realize, Christian, you're a child of God, man. Can't nobody take that away. Can't nobody take that away. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. We can pray with you. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Why don't you come tonight, have your sins washed away, and be reconciled to God as we stand and as we sing.